The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. I've been uh, wrestling with some, some stuff in this region of my body called sinuses. Texas has ADD weather that just can't figure out what it's going to do. I would just prefer if it's going to be cold, just get there, stay there. If it's going to be warm, get there and stay there. Just do something. But I can't, so my body doesn't react well to that. I like change, but not in weather. So uh, we're seeing that. I'm, I'm a pretty flexible guy, but not when it comes to sinuses and dealing with weather. So bear with me. Um, I've got Trinity on standby. I really freaked him out in between services. I went up to him and said, you know, Trinity, first service was really rough on my voice. Can you just take my notes and go for it second service? And we're talking to some people. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. I was like, I'm just kidding. He said, good, because I'm really freaking out inside. I'm just trying not to have a, a breakdown in the lobby. But I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, I'm glad you're here. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, just like uh, the oldest elder said, um, fill out one of those guest cards and drop that in the giving stations on your way out. The giving stations are where you can drop prayer requests, those connect cards, your tithes, offerings. We don't pass a plate, but we believe our giving should be done in secret and should be an act of worship. And so we set it up that way when we launched the church, and we, that's how we do it around here. Most people give online or through our text to give, um, but you're uh, welcome to, to participate in any way you, you feel led. And then uh, um, many of you are asking questions about Financial Peace University. Uh, you can sign up for that, and if you want to, it's starting in February, but if you put on the Connect card that I'm interested in that, drop it in. Somebody will get in touch with you this week about Financial Peace University. Um, we're in the second week of our Community Link Drive. We're trying to restock what's going on at the Community Link. Um, I think the kids, they are taking that to heart of doing a toilet paper drive, which is awesome. Um, that's how we roll. And uh, <laughs> I named that campaign for them. They ought to take that and run with it, man. That's how we roll. This is how we roll. But um, I um, wanted to share something with you. Um, your kids, remember they were begging you to pick up some stuff at the store so that we could do a packing party and send some supplies to our troops that are deployed. And that was through uh, Hearts for the Military. And I want to I share with you a letter that came in from one of those soldiers. It says, uh, thank you for all your spiritual and emotional support for our unit. I cannot describe to you what it looks like when soldiers see that there are complete strangers out there that will go out of their way to let them know that they are not, not forgotten. What you've done is huge. It may or may not be the first time you and the others have done this before, and if not, I want you to know about the impact you made today. It's easy to slip away from God and to forget about the simple things when you're away for so long and so far away from the things that you love. Experiences like this for us are opportunities for us to all understand how blessed we are. Even though the lessons will not be learned by everyone before we leave, the stories will be shared and maybe we'll understand what goodwill for man really looks like. This is truly an example of what right looks like. This is an example of unconditional love. You really put some smiles on some faces. Thank you again for your support. I hope all is well back home. Parents, thank you for letting your kids bug you to buy stuff at the store to send to our men and women who are deployed. It's awesome to think that you know, they say this is what right looks like. And we stand behind our troops because they're trying to bring right. And they're trying to bring light into a dark world. And for a child to be able to bless them. And I love that. So thank you for the generosity for you and your kids. And 
um, for our children's ministry. I really appreciate that. That I love celebrating those things. And uh, we've got some, I've got some other things in store for the next couple weeks. I've been getting stories like crazy. I can't wait to share with y'all. Um, but we're in the series called New Year's Revolution. So if you've got your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't own a Bible, then uh, we have some on the back table for you. If you don't own one, please write your name in it. That's our gift to you. We want you to have that. But Matthew chapter 6, it's the first book in the New Testament. If you need help, you can find that in the table of contents. And the big numbers are the chapters. So Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start verse 19. But in this New Year's Revolution series, we talked the first week about a revolution in our spiritual life. Because we all make resolutions around areas of our life. And uh, a lot of us make spiritual resolutions uh, we talked about that the first week, and the only way to experience that is to deny ourselves, die to ourselves, and really make Jesus the priority. Last week, we talked about relationships, because we make re- resolutions about how to be better in our marriage, how to be better in our relationships, better friends, better in our work relationships, and we learned the simple truth. It's not about me. Once we get that revolutionary idea in our mind, that's transformational in how we approach all of our relationships. And today we're talking about the financial revolution. How many of y'all made money resolutions this year? <laughs> how many of y'all broken them already? <laughs> Me? How, okay, here's a better one. A lot of us worry about money, right? And Jesus has a lot to say about money. As a matter of fact, if I talked about money as much as Jesus did, y'all be gone. I mean, really. Some of y'all are like here for the first time, like, great, he's talking about money. I'm out. That's all pastors talk about is money. I'm going to just level with you, honestly. I've shared this with the church before. I don't have any problem talking about any other subject in the Bible except money. I have a hard time preaching about money. I love preaching about sex. I love preaching about sin, all this stuff. But money is a hard one to talk about because just like you, I've got baggage. And we spend a lot of time worrying about money. Matter of fact, Money was on everybody's mind in the nation this week. How many of y'all played the $1.6 billion daydream? Yeah. I think Facebook was dethroned for the biggest time drain in America this week as the lotto it goes to $1.6 billion And every, you know you were doing it. You're daydreaming if I won that. And I, I tell you, so many people say, if I win that money, the church ain't never going to need money again. You better believe it. You better be giving off of that, Jack. <laughs> I, play, I played just in case you weren't going to give, man. So, <laughs> so <laughs> but nobody won. Well, three people won. God bless them. Love those guys. I hope, I hope this morning in three churches across in, in America, man, there's, they're just having this revival breakout. I don't know what, whatever it is, however that rolls. But, um, but we all, we all deal with this. And so what I want to do before we get into this, because I know when I said money, a lot of your guards went up. So if you would, I just want to pray for us before we get into this teaching. So it's not my voice. It's not my words. That It's really the Holy Spirit that's, that's speaking to us today. So Father, we love you. Thank you for our ability to get together. Thank you for our troops and our soldiers that fight for the right for us to gather and assemble in this place today. And Father, I pray that you open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts, open all of who we are to receive your word. And Lord, I pray that for many of us, myself included, God, that carry baggage with money and church, that you begin to heal that 
and we begin to see you, and we begin to experience your truth and your revolution in our life. Father, I pray for your provision. I pray for your protection. I pray for this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 6, here we go. This is the Sermon on the Mount. If you're unfamiliar with Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount is a, a sermon that's taught by Jesus, and it really, if you want to look at a tangible way or, or what it really looks like to be a follower of Christ, the Sermon on the Mount really is beautiful because Jesus talks about the mentalities and the attitudes of a disciple. You know, we will say, I follow Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and so this is what it really looks like. And, and, and Jesus gets into this sermon, and he talks about, he talks about money, and I, I want to read it to you. So we'll start in verse 19. Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp to the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And so Jesus goes there. And some of y'all are really like, I'd rather we teach about something else today. But we, we've got to deal with these things in the church. And, and we make resolutions around our finances. But the, the truth is, until we experience a revolution spiritually, with Jesus at the epicenter of that revolution, we're going to continue to be the same. I, I read a quote this week that I want to share with you. It's from a missionary from uh, Leadership Africa. We as the Creeks support an organization called Leadership Africa, and we're, uh, we, we're one of their legacy givers. I mean, your generosity allows us to be a legacy giver for this organization that makes incredible impact on the continent of Africa. And one of their missionaries was transitioning out of the field, and he sent a letter to all of the churches. And I, I want to read a quote because it really, just, it, it really stuck out as what a revolution spiritually looks like. It says, if we don't work to see the internal belief system of an individual radically altered by Christ and their worldview aligned to the gospel, their actions can't change and their tomorrow won't be different from their yesterday. Many of us make resolutions to try to be different, but it takes a revolution in our spirit. And that's a, that's a violent term because the spirit has to overtake the flesh in order for us to have a tomorrow that's different from yesterday. We don't possess the willpower to accomplish that on our own. It takes something deeper in us. So my prayer is as we go into this money talk, you experience a revolution, that, that your mind is transformed, your heart is transformed, and that you become aligned with the gospel that is Jesus so that your worldview aligns through the gospel, and so tomorrow you are different than you are when you sat down this morning. That's not my ability to do that. That's why we prayed for, for God to give us this illumination. When it comes to money, we do experience a lot of baggage. If you grew up in church, you have a story. I mean, I, I, was, I was just shared some stories this week of, of abuse of money and, and just, just things that really make me want to grab a pastor and punch him in the neck, you know? 
I'm just being honest with you, okay? I do have issues. <laughs> if you are, if you're new, okay, we just, we, we're going to be who we are, okay? This place, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. But I'm going to tell you, I got issues, and God has been growing me tremendously on my issues. I don't want to kill that person. I just want to punch him in the neck. So see, that <laughs> is progress, okay? <laughs> we celebrate progress around here, okay? So... I just want the Bible to be the Bible because when we start thinking about money and talking about money in the church, it quickly becomes something that God wants to take from us instead of what God wants to do for us. Well, I think of that rich young ruler. Remember that story in the Gospels where this rich man comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. And he says, I've done those since I was a boy. I've mastered those. What else? And Jesus can discern the heart because in 21, verse 21, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is very good at looking at our heart. I mean, a lot of us were praying to win the lottery this week. And let me help you with something. God can see your heart. He ain't gonna give you more money than your character can handle. Some of y'all just switch your prayer. God, give me character, give me character, give me character. (laughs) I could perceive your heart on that because I'm the same way. Anyway, but Jesus sees his heart, and he says, go and sell all of your possessions, give that money to the poor, and then come follow me. And that rich man went away sad because he approached Jesus and the lordship of Christ in his life and dealing with his money as something God wanted to take from him instead of what God wanted to do for him. And that's a, that's a heart issue. And Jesus knows that most of the issues that we face are heart issues. He says you can't serve both God and money. And I'll be honest with you. Money is a terrible master. Amen. Amen. Because uh, you get into this process where you're trading dollars for days. Money has power over us. And you do anything you can do to get it. And, and we find ourselves in this, really this cul-de-sac of stupidity, trying to chase and chase and chase more money, more money, more money. We get caught up in this mentality of more, 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 more. I need more. I need more. It takes more. It takes more. And we get into this. Now, now money is not evil in itself. Money is neutral. In, in 1 Timothy 6.10, he writes, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. So money is neutral. I could lay a 20 on the table And that $20 could be used to buy food for the homeless or drugs for the addict. The money is neutral. It's the intention and it's the hand of the steward that determines the benefit of the dollar. You track with that. It's the hand of the steward that determines the benefit of the dollar. And so we've got to understand that money is neutral. But when we start serving money... It, it starts to create a, a, a power over us, and we become a slave to the master. We become a slave to the dollar. We become a slave to money, and we start getting in this idea, this mentality, and we get wrapped up in what the Bible calls covetousness or greed because we need more, we need more, we need more. So I want to look at a couple of things. I want to look at how money controls us, why it has power over us, and what are we going to do to break that power? So the first one, how money controls us. When we serve money, it, we give it control in our life. 
We have given it authority in our life to drive our behavior, to drive our lifestyle, and to really start to set our appetites and our cravings. And serving money makes us blind to our lifestyle. Jesus talks about this idea of greed and materialism or covetousness in Luke chapter 11, when he, he says this, he says, the eye is a lamp to the body. Remember that? Jesus, it seems like Jesus is ADD sometimes, you know, because in Matthew 6, he starts talking about don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but do it in heaven, lay those up. And then he just takes this break, he says, the eye is the lamp to the body. If the eye is good, then there's light coming in. But if the eye is bad, it's darkness. What does he mean by that? And then he goes back into his money talk. There's something very important to understand and unpack about this I in the middle of this passage. When our eye is full of light, it means we can react and we can respond to the light that we see. Think about it this way. Your eye is bad. It doesn't matter how much light there is around you. You don't see. If you are blind... You were to sit in the middle of this room, and I, we turn on all the lights at 100% and make it as bright as we can in here, you still will not be able to find your way out because the darkness is not outside of you. The darkness is in you. And Jesus is saying that's what happens with greed. He says it again in Luke 11 about this idea of the lamp. And then in, in Luke 12, he tells us to be on our guard. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. That translates greediness and materialism. And so Jesus is saying, watch out. Watch out. Greed is an, is an issue of the eye. It's an, an issue of the sin. And, and what happens, what, what is greediness and materialism? It's an inordinate desire or dependence on money and material things. I place my dependence on something inanimate on something that I think will fulfill me. Do you see where that cycle gets in and you start to see where um, money starts to have power over us? And, And greed is a tough one. That's why Jesus says watch out because most of us, if I would have said, hey, we're teaching on greed this morning, most people would decide to stay home because like I don't deal with that. If that's your mentality, let me help you. Jesus is saying watch out. Because greed is one of those that we walk blindly into. It's not like adultery. I mean, you're not going to just wake up and go, you're not my wife. You know? I, I know I'm making a really big comparison here, but, but greed is one of those eye sins where the light gets dim and gets dim and gets dim, and then all of a sudden we're operating in darkness. And it hides itself unlike other sins. How does it do that? How does it, how does it do that? M- greed, materialism, covetous, serving money, however you want to term that, has the ability to get you to choose a job based on money instead of fulfillment. How do I know that? An overwhelming percentage of Americans are unhappy in their jobs, regardless of how much money they make. When you look at significant leadership studies in corporate America... It is found that the greatest motivator in organizational behavior is not money. It's trust, ownership, respect, having input in the direction of the organization. Every one of us wants to make more money. I mean, we're not going to turn down a raise, 
But ultimately, that doesn't become what fulfills you. It doesn't matter how much money you make in a job. You get to a point where that doesn't fulfill you. See, the power of money in our life, when we serve money, it blinds us and keeps us from asking difficult questions. It keeps us from asking, do I need to spend this much on this? Do I need to save this? How much do I need to give? Because when, when, we're, when we're serving money, the whole giving talk goes out the window. If we get to a point of saying, should I spend this much on this? It's not, should I give that away? And we don't want to ask those tough questions. Let me ask you this. Who are you being accountable to financially? I can't trust myself. I mean, I, I have a hard enough time keeping myself accountable. And when it comes to finances, I need some help. I, I want to, if you're in that position, I want to encourage you. Go to FPU. Go to Financial Peace University. It's not somebody where they crawl up in your business and, and, and go, well, you, you spent 38 cents on this. Why did you do that? It's not legalism. It's community and accountability to help walk with you to get this freedom in your finances. So who's around you? Who are you being accountable to? Who is able to ask those questions in your life about how you spend money and how you make it? So let's look at the next one. Why does money exercise power in our life? It does that because money wants to maintain control of your heart. See, Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. Because he knows that money is a close connection to our heart. If you want to see where your heart is, go look at your bank account. I'm being serious. What, where our heart is, is what we spend money on. And Heather and I have different hearts. She spends money on things that I don't understand. And I spend money on things that she really should understand. I mean... It's a difference in TJ Maxx and Cabela's, baby. Amen. amen. And all the men said, amen. <laughs> Most men don't want their wives going into Cabela's, and here's why. Because then they'll understand why we spend all day there. I'm just kidding. I'd take her in and buy her something right now. Let's go after church and buy something at Cabela's just for you. Oh, wait, I need accountability. Who's, we shouldn't spend that much on that. I got you, baby. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I bet. I, never mind. I'm going to go there. Money reveals where our heart really is. Many people look at money as a way of, of gaining significance. Um, they feel that, that if I can amass this money, then, then it brings a significance to my life. And, and we end up not handling it correctly because we want other people to see how significant we are, which is really a heart issue. I, I believe this. When it comes to following Jesus, there's not financial issues. They're heart issues. It comes down to who has my heart. And I'll be honest with you. Man, I, 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 feel, like, like I'm, I feel like a cheater all the time. Because I'll say, Jesus, you have my heart. But then I'm like, well, hey, can I borrow that for a minute? Because I really want this. And I need to give it my heart so I can get it. And it's exhausting. 
that we tend to mismanage our money because we want people to see our stuff so we feel significant. And, and, and then some of us may not do it so we can feel significant. Some of us, we, we, we serve money and we try to gather everything so that we can feel secure, that we find our safety in that. That if, if I could have enough money, I would be secure. Can I tell you something? That even if you were the sole winner of $1.6 billion, you can't stop death. The security that we think we find in money is fleeting. The control that we try to find in money, it's fleeting. No matter how much money we have or don't have, it doesn't stop accidents. It doesn't stop cancer. It doesn't stop other illnesses that are are plaguing our, our broken world. It doesn't stop broken relationships. Money doesn't mend relationships. We really like watching how money screws relationships up. It's called reality TV. (laughs) This person had nothing. They got all this, and now we're going to watch them publicly ruin everything in their life. I believe this, that money and fame jack with a person. Why? It goes back to the character. (laughs) But here's what Jesus has to say about this. Let's look at the next bit of this passage, verse 25 about what Jesus has to say about significance and security, this idea of control and safety. He says it's fleeting. Solomon says it's chasing the wind. Here's what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious, underline this verse, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? You can worry about money. You can worry about stuff but it's not going to add anything to your life. It may even take some of it away. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I will tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, it's also translated for the pagans, seek after these things. And your heavenly Father, get this, knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today's got enough stuff to worry about. But, but Jesus really starts getting into this because he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And your father knows you need this stuff. If you got kids, this idea of wants and needs, you have this conversation probably daily. 
I mean, teenagers, same thing. But go back to your toddler. Your toddler wants a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola. Now, mom and dad, are you really going to give it to them? <laughs> if you are, you're a grandparent, and you're disqualified from answering this question. <laughs> you know what your kids need more than they know what they need. Our Heavenly Father knows what we need more than we know what we need. But He knows what we need. And He says, don't worry about it. So, how do we break this power? It's what we've been talking about in our series. A revolution. A revolution. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's exactly what happens because your eyes are opened. It's life coming from the spirit to open the eyes of the blind, to open the ears of the deaf, and to bring transformation and understanding to a heart that has not had it before. And we see things differently. We approach life differently. We approach our relationships differently. And as a follower of Christ, fully sold out to him with him being the priority in our life, yes, we approach money differently. Not the way we've seen it in church growing up, not the way we see it on TV, but according to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who is the Word, who is the truth, that says, when you seek me first, I've got all the other stuff. And, and he, he says this in verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So we've got to place our treasure in Jesus because our heart will quickly follow. I had a boss that used to say, where your heart goes, your rear end's gonna be quickly behind it. So when Jesus has our heart, he's got our whole body, right? And it's, it's, it's just beautiful when we get into this, starting to look at this because Jesus is our treasure and yet Jesus treasures you. Let me ask you this. Here's a challenge. What is your treasure? What do I treasure? I mean, for all of us, it it could be something different. For many of us, there's some similarities in it. But what is it, that thing? What is your treasure? And, And when I say what is your treasure, it's what is that thing that you pursue with every ounce of energy you have, that if it were to be placed in your hand, you think it's all worth it. Or it completes this journey in your mind that when I get this, I will be worth it. What is it? The Bible clearly tells us that if it's anything other than Jesus, then that treasure that we chase is calling us to die to get it. That we will walk and stumble in blindness trying to chase whatever it is we treasure if it's not Christ. But Jesus is the treasure that said, I died for you. And 1 Peter 2 says that we're a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and get this, a people for his own possession. Now, now track with me on this. Because Jesus treasured you and I. 
He treasured us enough to purchase us with his own blood. That when Jesus looked at humanity, even before the fall, he knew what was going to happen. He looked at the world. He looked at time because Jesus is not bound by time. God is not bound by time. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. He sees everything is completed. But here's what he said. When he looked at humanity, he said, you know what? That's my treasure. And I will do whatever I have to do to get my treasure. And when I get my treasure, I know it will be all worth it. So you have the creator and sustainer of life and all the universe who owns everything, who needs nothing, steps out of the glory of heaven, leaves the throne of the Father, leaves the riches of heaven, humbles himself as a servant, and even unto death on a cross, and didn't consider equality something with God, uh, equality with God something to be grasped, but gave it all. How do we know he gave it all? He was on a cross naked and bleeding and had nothing. But yet, Isaiah tells us that through his suffering, he was satisfied. Why? I'm paying for my treasure. Because when I get them, it's worth it. And when I get them, they will know they are worth it. So when we place Jesus as the treasure in our life, pursuing him becomes our number one goal. That when we pursue him, he is worth it. And when we find our identity in him, I am worth it. That he gave everything for us. So here's some filters that I I wanna give you because when you realize how much Jesus treasures you, it's going to free you from money. Matter of fact, it's gonna free you from everything else. The addictions you're trying to break as a New Year's resolution only happen in a revolution when you understand how much Jesus treasures you. And it begins to change everything because of what? Our lifestyle, our mind, our heart, everything becomes aligned with a gospel worldview instead of a broken worldview, and our tomorrow can be different from our yesterday. So here's a couple filters that I want to give you. How do you treat people who have more than you? Do you envy them? Do you resent them? Do you find little cracks in their wall to find your ways of superiority. What do I mean by that? Well, they may have that house, but man, look at their family. They're just jacked up mess. I wouldn't want all that money because it's gonna destroy my family. You, I, I'm, I'm preaching now. I've done gone to meddling. If that's our mentality, money has power over us. Here's here's what the gospel means. The gospel means this, that we are more sinful than we're going to admit, than we care to believe, but we're more loved than we've ever hoped for. See, the gospel moves us to a place where we don't care about money. 
It doesn't mean we don't think about it. Because let me tell you something. I'm going to confess this to you. I, I, I'm a husband and a father and, and the head of my household. And I worry about the budget in my household. I'm the pastor and CEO of the Creek Church. But I worry about the budgets of the Creek. Because we got budgets we got to meet. And it seems that the older I get, the farther we get, the stakes get higher. Remember when you first got married and you had no money? And you're like, what's the worst that could happen? We're going to eat beans and ramen, okay? And you bring kids and you're like, whoa, beans and ramen ain't going to work. You know, we're going to have to make a little bit more. We might have to do some tuna fish or something. I don't know. But what do kids eat? Chicken and french fries, okay? Chicken fingers. We got to afford chicken fingers. When Heather and I first launched the church, it was that way. We're like, look, man, hey, if I screw this up, I'll go get another job. And then when the church grew and we had to hire somebody, and let me tell you, I was scared about that. I, I toil every time we have to hire someone because I'm like, if, if I screw up, that family doesn't eat. And we have several families that depend on the creek meeting their budget to eat. Do you know that there are organizations that we support that depend on the creek meeting our budget so they have money for their budget so that missionaries are in Africa, so that missionaries are in Canada, so that people in Fort Worth are getting fed, so that people in the zip codes in the whole northwest Tarrant County get food. And the stakes go up. It doesn't mean we don't think about that. And it doesn't mean, and you've got to forgive me, that I don't talk about that. I've got to talk about that. But we don't worry about it. We serve the God of all provision who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, who knows our needs and supplies our needs according to his riches and glory. So when we start following Jesus and this gospel transforms us, it transforms everything about us. Okay, so you might go, hey man, I, I, I love people who have more than I do. They pick up the tab, I don't know, but... How do you treat people who have less than you? I mean, we, you, you want a good gut check on this? First Thursday of the month, baby, agape meals. And I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, you guys know I'm a mess. If you're a visitor, I'm a mess. I'm just as screwed up as you are, and we're just willing to admit it because, come on. Um, but you go to agape where we serve the homeless and less fortunate, and I'm going to tell you, there's some nights that, that I really can probably be in a gospel-aligned view and say, you know, I can respect you and I can serve you and I can love you. And there are some nights I walk in there and my flesh is taking over my spirit and I'm like, you know what? If you just do this, you wouldn't have to be here. I'm just being honest with you. But how do you treat people who have less than you? We're called to love them, to respect, and to serve. Look at Jesus. We like the rich Jesus, Right? The one who blesses us with all spiritual blessing. But let me tell you something. There's a poor Jesus too. He gave up everything, naked and bleeding on a cross, humbled himself. When, when we look at how Jesus humbled himself, it should humble us. So when money has no power over us, this third thing really hits home. You get really generous. In verse 22, when Jesus says, the eye is a lamp to the body, if it's good, that's a good eye, here's what you see. You see opportunities to bless. You see opportunities to give. You see opportunities to engage. When, when we're serving money, it blinds us. And like, I, I will not help anybody else because that's not gonna get me anywhere. 
That's the beautiful thing about the, the, the revolution that happens between the gospel worldview and a broken worldview. That the broken worldview says the more you take, the more you get. The more you get, man, the more you amass and you just start building up your kingdom. And the gospel says if you're going to be great, you be the least. If you're going to be blessed, you give it away. If you're going to be first, be last. That's the beautiful thing of the gospel and how, how transformational it is. And, and, and some of y'all are waiting for the pitch, all right? So how much do you want me to write a check for today? <laughs> That's up to you and God, baby. Here's where I'm off the hook. I am responsible to teach you the truth of the word of God and not here to compel you for money. How do we give? Most people get hung up on this 10%, 10%. And it's, it's awesome. When I sit down with people, I can tell you, you got serious baggage because you got a real, you bow up at that tithe. I just don't believe in the tithe. Or, or, you know, or you've been brought up just very legalistic, like I've got to get my tithe or God is going to smite me. <laughs> tithe means 10%. See, people, people get hung up on the 10%. Let, let me help you something because here's the reality. Most Americans struggle to give 2.5% or 3%. That might be a stretch for you. But here's what being generous generous means. Generosity is not measured from our abundance, but from our sacrifice. Remember the widow? Remember, Jesus is is standing at the back of the church. And this church, this is why we don't pass a plate. They had a giving station. Jesus is watching the giving station. So if you see me over there, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, I bring my staff over. I tell you the truth. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Your giving is done in secret. I do look at our giving. As a good manager and a good steward, I better. If I'm going to be concerned about meeting budgets, I better know what's coming in. But Jesus is watching the giving station. He says, that man, that Pharisee, he put in, he put in a good chunk of money. That's going to cover the budget for the temple. That's awesome. But watch this widow. She truly gave more Because she gave sacrificially. She didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of her poverty. She gave because she knew where her treasure is. And this 10% junk, we got to stop getting hung up on it. Because Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, look, You get together with God, and you and God decide in your heart what you're going to do, and do it cheerfully. And if you can't do that, don't do it. And some people carry baggage. They'll sit in church every weekend, but they're like, I'm not giving a dime because I don't trust church leaders. You know what? There's so much junk that's gone on, I don't blame you. But if you're not going to trust the church for it, get it somewhere. Give it to charity. If every Christian gave 10%, (laughs) the church would be overrun with money. We'd, we'd be supporting charities left and right. So give it to the church. Give it to charity. Let God start to rebuild your trust. Let me as your pastor start to rebuild your trust in the church. And all I can do is apologize from the past and say, I'm sorry. That's, that may not be Christianity that you saw. But walk with us and let God start to rebuild that trust. So the, 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 the question is, how do we do all of this and how do we treasure Jesus? Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you must take up your cross and die 
and deny yourself. So we've been talking in this revolution series that we are to deny and die. And so if we're going to do that to be closer followers of Jesus, if we're going to do that to be better in our relationships, then we have to do it in our stewardship and our financial accountability. That I'm going to deny myself the appetite and the the, the lure and the seduction of following greed and I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to serve Christ with everything I've got. The question is, are you bearing your cross and your finances? That hit me when I, I mean, I'm just typing. Can I just start typing? And and I I typed that and then it, it was pow. Because it challenged me. Am I bearing? Across. Because when you get hung up on the 10%, when we get to 10%, we're like, done. But am I bearing my cross at 3%? Am I bearing my cross, oh, here you go, at 12%? Don't get hung up on the percentages. That's not the standard. What's the standard? The cross. The cross is where Jesus gave it all for you and for me because we're worth it. He left it all for us to be treasured. Here, here's something crazy. What would happen? Think, think, just think about this. Think about the impact. I mean, we've got a cityscape and that's New York. But think about the impact that would be had in Fort Worth if the church not just the creek, but the church, experienced a revolution in their finances, a spiritual revolution in their finances. Think about Fort Worth. They're doing a homeless count on the 28th of January. The churches could join in and go, you know what? You don't have to be homeless anymore. Let us help you. Jesus loves you. We love you. We got something for you. Think about Texas. The amount of kids that need adoption in Texas and the church says, you know what? We got enough money to do all this. We're not just gonna build orphanages. We're gonna pay for your education and, and we're gonna bring you into our homes. Think about the nation. Think about the world. It's truly revolutionary when you think about it that Jesus trusts us to be good stewards with the gospel and be good stewards with the dollar to go and change the world. Thank you for letting me just be fatherly to you today. I know this is not always the easiest thing. It was probably harder on me than it was on you because this is one of my biggest areas that I've got to grow in as as your pastor, your, your leader. But thank you for that. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for the gospel because without anything, the gospel is everything. And so we thank you that the gospel is what brings life to us and brings salvation to us and is the power of God for salvation. So Father, I pray for anyone in this room that they may not have a relationship with you. They've never set their treasure. They've never set you as that which they pursue with everything they've got. And so Father, I pray that you today bring salvation first. I pray for an alignment in their mind and their heart to the gospel that changes not just tomorrow, but changes eternity. And I pray you give them the courage that where they sit, they confess that you are Lord and they give all of themselves to receive all of you. And if you're in this room this morning and you want that relationship with Jesus, then just just call out to him, just pray. It can be quiet. Just say, Jesus, I want you. I want to treasure you.
forgive me. Thank you for seeing me, even in whatever lifestyle I'm in, with the brokenness, whatever it is, thank you for seeing me and seeing me as your treasure and pursuing me and purchasing me with your blood. And I, I, I ask you to forgive me, to change me, to make me new. Let me experience a revolution in every area of my life. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I want to I want to challenge you. I Man, come see our prayer team. Write it on a card so we can help you. Father, for the rest of us in this room, I pray that we walk out of here different than we walked in. I pray that we look at our money differently. I pray that we even approach the gospel differently. I pray that we approach our city and our community, our state, our nation, and our world differently because of what you've called us to do in aligning with the revolution that happens in our wallets so that lives can be changed and you are our treasure. Father, open our eyes to our reality. Let us, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, deal with the reality so that we walk in light and not darkness. Father, revolutionize our heart and our mind. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.